Welcome to episode four of the FarmEd podcast. I have the pleasure to be sat here today with Ruth West and Francesca Price from the Oxford Real Farming Conference and Real Farming Trust. Welcome Ruth, welcome Francesca. Hello. I'm also sat here with Fiona Mountain from Cotswold Seasoned FarmEd. Hi there. So today let's spend a little bit of time chatting about where did the Oxford Real Farming Conference come from and the Real Farming Trust? How does it fit together? What was the vision? Ruth, of, of you and Colin? Well, actually, it started off with conversations down the road from here in Cheltenham uh-huh. with Graham Harvey, many, many years, oh, okay. 12 yeah. years ago or something like that. And he uh, he knew Colin way back from um, when they were both journalists on either Farmer's Guardian or the Farmer's Week. <laughs> or Farmer's Week. <laughs> I should know, shouldn't I? Yeah. But, um, they, they were together for a while, and Graham thought it was really time that we managed to, we pre- presented an alternative voice to industrial agriculture, which was so dominating the scene. And he said the place to do it is, did you know that this thing happens every year, it's been going on for about 60 years, which was 10 years ago then, in Oxford, in January, and um, we should set up some kind of fringe event to this. And uh, we had another meeting about it, as I'm inclined to do. And then going to somebody who likes action, I said, well, let's just do it then. So we set about the first Oxford Real Farming Conference. We had the title for it because we had a campaign website called the Campaign for Real Farming. Yeah, yeah. And so it was naturally then the Oxford Real Farming Conference. Uh-huh. Um, and we thought the whole point was to be in their place. So I chose a place as close as we could be to where their event was held. And we thought, let's just go for an afternoon. And we sent round an email to everybody we could on our mailing list, really. Mm-hmm. And about 100 people turned up. And we had a bucket out there for contributions mm-hmm. to pay for the cost of the hire of the room. And, right. um, and uh, we had our first half day Oxford Farming Conference, which was quite extraordinary because it was the, the, the things I've always worried about with the Oxford Farming Conference is floods and snow, <laughs> so you can't hold it. Because the first one, it snowed, it absolutely, yeah, yeah. about four o'clock it started and people started looking at their watches. And the farmers started to say, oh, better get back now. So in the end, there were about 20 of us left out of the 100. Um, and some even couldn't get out of Oxford, including Graham, who had to stay overnight <laughs> for a couple of nights, which said he greatly enjoyed. Uh, and that's how it was born. And then we thought, well, we better do it again. And then we thought we better do it again. And it got gradually started getting bigger. And what we had hit actually was a really extraordinary time in farming. Actually, it was just right. Yeah. But the important thing to remember as well about it is that it was, it is in the face of the other farming conference. And that's so important to it because we are giving out a different message. Actually, and ever since that. When he started getting more popular people, started saying, well, why don't you just join together? We said, well, that actually is not the point. Mm. Really, the yeah, point is... Having an alternative is crucial yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it carries on, doesn't it? Every, um, every year is exactly the same two days as the Oxford Farmers Conference. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, Ruth will better tell you when. At some stage, we, of course, the Oxford Real Farmers Conference started to get more people than the Oxford Farmers Conference. Oh. How, many, how many did it travel now? People. How many did you get people? So how many came to the, this year? Well, we can say our capacity for next year is going to be 1,400. Wow. So, but mm. we've been at 1,000 for the last, well, ever since we moved to the town hall, 
Um, and the, first of all, the idea was that it would be like the Edinburgh Fringe, you know, yeah, as I said, yeah. we'll, we'll just be the box office. So we'll have our go on holding our events in the library. And then people can say, well, I want to come and hold my own event. Mm -hmm. And so we would just sell the tickets. But um, the farmers and others come and said, no, no, we actually want to be together and feel that we're a movement. Yes, yeah. So then we moved to the town hall because that was the only place that could yeah, accommodate us. And then we, so this, since then, we just started adding in mm. um, other places around the town hall to accommodate the growing numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the appetite is enormous. So yeah. this year we sold out in about 12 days. Good grief. Um, and we could have filled you know, those tickets over and over again. Um, so we are, again, this year looking at expanding. And we've just been in Oxford looking at bigger rooms for mm. next year as well. But of course, it's got to stay in Oxford because yep. we've got to stay in the face of the Oxford Farmers Conference. Okay. But um, it is, as Ruth says, it's really sort of become now the meeting point for you know, a lot of people in, who are really interested in food and farming um, of a particular. So it's beyond. It's not just farm farming, is it? It's very. It's 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 growers and people who are interested in food. Yeah. And, yeah. and fruit. Yeah, but but we but we say we at least fifty percent must be perhaps yes. the farmers, because yeah. yeah. that's just so important mm. to it. It's a, I keep saying it's a farmer's conference, mm. so it's yeah. not an NGO conference. No. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Mm. No, I think I've been for the last five years, it's not, it, it, yes, it's alternative farmers, but it's mainstream farmers as well, mm. picking up new ideas is, and being yeah. inspired and light bulb moments, as well as maybe slightly alternative fringe farmers. It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So what were the highlights of this year's? Ah, well, actually, just off the back, too, of what um, we were talking about there is that this year we reinstated the um, opening ceremony um, because there was a sense in talking to the delegates who were coming along that that had been missing from mm. the year before, that they wanted this feeling of coming together as a movement, yeah. of seeing everybody in the town hall there and saying, here we are, we've got, we've, we've got some clout, look at us all, yeah. and we can actually you know, set the agenda, not just for the next two days while we're here, but set the agenda for the coming year. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so we did that, and that was quite spectacular because we had an offer of... Um, these incredible drummers called the Shumei. They were amazing. They were, <laughs> they were absolutely very amazing. And very, very, they were captivating, weren't they? Yeah. They were fantastic. And they were farmers. Yeah. So, really? yeah. Oh, really? And they were already here. We wanted yeah. to put that yeah. in. They, yeah. were, they were farmers. Well, they they were not, farmers. We did not fly them in from no. Japan. They were yeah. here. Yeah. So, the Shumei um, Agriculture, uh, well, Shumei International is a whole system of approaching life. So, it encompasses culture as mm. much as it encompasses agriculture. Um, and so the songs that they're playing mm. are songs that come from their observations of nature. Yeah. So the last one that you heard at clo that closed the opening ceremony was about the harvest. So um, they're not two of them are full-time farmers, two of them are part-time farmers. So yeah, so it was fantastic. Mm. Um, so that was a highlight. I think yeah. everyone really enjoyed that. Um, we had a um, fantastic session by Leah Penniman, who was the um, farmer, black farmer from New York State, who came over. Um, she's really um, uh, talks about um, the need to bring more people of colour into mm -hmm. um, farming. And um, she has these fantastic stories about how when the slaves left um, Africa, their grandmothers sowed the seeds of, their, um, of the land into their braids mm -hmm. um, so that they could take them to where they were going. Um, and that was a really fantastic session which got a standing ovation, but then carried on through the conference in a whole lot of different sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on to a third day as well, where yeah. we had um, a third day where people of colour came together to talk about the issues of mm -hmm. um, farming within the UK. 
um, for them. And then um, other, we had lots of sessions around climate change. We had sessions around the impact, um, well, well, the impact that uh, we we are having on the climate, the farmers mm -hmm. are having on the climate, and how they can lessen that. But also the impact the climate's having on farming, and how they can go about building resilience um, against that. Mm -hmm. So those are um, we had about a dozen sessions throughout the conference on that. Um, we also had um, a lot of sessions on access to land, mm -hmm. um, which Ruth um, was right across. So I'll, I'll let you explain a bit more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess one of your partners, Landworkers Alliance, like yeah. a key mm -hmm. partner for the conference. Yeah. 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 And is that sort of access to land, I guess? Or, or Quite a bit of it, actually. Yeah. But they've also, the, the Land Justice Network has oh, okay. very much taken up the theme mm -hmm. of um, access to land. But, but, then, but the, the group that we're involved with is an EU funded mm -hmm. group. In Erasmus group, and there's seven part like seven partner organisations, including Romania, and that's been doing something about like innovative approaches to access to land. So for the, this year, we had uh, you said it was ten sessions. Yeah, it was ten sessions. Which went across the board, and it was really interesting because the, there was one hand you had the Land Justice Network, and they want to say let's take back the land, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all about ownership of land. And then on the other hand, though, we had um, some uh, farmers who actually owned large estates, mm -hmm. they'd inherited it, and they were talking about the stewardship of the land that they had and how to invite farmers onto the land. And there was um, this really quite a separation of approaches and ideas in this, actually. Um, those who saying, well, if we manage the land well, um, that's really what matters. And the whole thing then about ownership isn't as important as actually how you care for the land. Yeah, yeah. And if you allow farmers on and, and there's a, um, it's, a, it's a multifunctionality of land as yeah. well that really matters. Yeah. That it's not just there to provide food, but it, it's a place for people to live. And mm. it's, a, it's flood management and it's all the land sharing things. debate, I guess, yeah. and not land sparing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And agroecology, where does that fit in? Well, agroecology is, is the only thing that's in the agriculture bill at the moment, mm. which recognises anything outside of mm. orthodox agriculture. And the butter the way everything mm. that we're doing. Yeah, really, yeah. So. yeah so for that, but also for me, it, it's interesting because there, there are two spheres of thought about agroecology, the term. There's the way Colin likes to use it, and he thinks of agroecology as a, a form of practice, a farm practice. Mm. Um, which treats the, the whole farm as an eco in, in ecological ways. But then there are the other agroecology, which says it has to include food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Colin separates out food sovereignty, says agroecology, food sovereignty, and then economic democracy. And you get those three strands mm -hmm. for this, your farm yeah. conference. But then um, the, um, people like Via Campesina would see food sovereignty as a part of agroecology. Mm -hmm. And food sovereignty means actually people being in charge of their own food supplies. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really quite a radical mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? There, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, brilliant. And new things happening. Um, we're here at FarmEd today, so we're very excited to be launching Oxford Real Farming Conference in the Field 2020. So a co-curated um, two-day event in July this year here at Farmed at Honeydale Farm. And we're coming together, we're organising sessions, we're uh, selling tickets, we've got camping, we've got great food. What sort of sessions will we be, will we be offering in July? There's a nice range again, isn't there? And why are we doing it? Fiona, why are we doing this event? Um, we're doing it to extend um, the experience of the Oxford Real Farming Conference. So um, people who want to get some sort of muddy boots experience actually get out and discuss 
the things they were talking about at the Oxford Farming Conference can actually go and experience it actually on a on a farm and um, with practical demonstrations and talk to people actually in the field. Yeah, so we're covering things like we've got agroecology, design workshops, we're looking at carbon uh, footprint tools and metrics, uh, maybe even you know, basic butchery skills, how to add value to carcasses. Fra Francesca, what's on your list? What's one of your list? Um, oh yeah, there's lots of um, fantastic. <laughs> we've just been just sitting here discussing the programmes, so we're really excited because we're sort of fine-tuning it now. So yeah, agroforestry design workshop would be great. Um, how to um, keep bees. So we've got a fantastic local beekeeper coming in to give us um, lessons on that. Um, we've got you know, increasing the biodiversity on your farm. How can you identify the biodiversity that you have and how can you attract more biodiversity into, onto your land? Mm -hmm. um, heritage grains, which is a really popular topic at the moment. It's about um, you know, growing, harvesting and utilising those grains. And I think Farm Ed has a fantastic mill nearby that we might be visiting. Yeah, well, we've got well. The, the new bread oven on the farm and, and uh, we've made contact with the local mill. So yes, we might be able to join those dots together, which would be very exciting. Uh, we've also got the CSA here on the farm, working yeah. with the kitchen garden people, so there'll be sessions on you know, how to develop your market garden idea, or how to develop your community-supported agriculture venture, it be exciting. And Ruth has um, seed sovereignty as well, can you say a little bit about that, you know, where does that fit into the workshop? Um, we've got the, the getting involved with the seed sovereignty yeah. programme, haven't we, in terms of like saving seeds and how you go about doing that. Okay. And then. And then in terms of other, I mean, lots of, I mean, seeds are something that people are really interested yeah. in. So we're just looking at the different... Seed saving, heritage wheats, maybe we'll be heritage looking at, wheat, yeah, yeah. digging down into that a little bit. Well. And also, I mean, the thing to me that's really exciting about the heritage grain story is the way in which farmers can use it to get off the commodity wagon. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have a farmer along who's done just that with their family farm. Yeah, yeah. So he said now, there are now no lorries coming into the farm. Yeah. They, they're growing these heritage grains and they're all being sold either locally, direct to restaurants or to millers or to bakers. Mm -hmm. um, and involved, there's a wonderful rotation that's going as well, which is where the pigs are, are really mainstays. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful pigs. Sometimes they're kept in the woods as yeah. part of the farm, and then they just move them around. And so for soil fertility and everything else, it's all just absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And, and the thing is as well, it's that they've saved the bill for all of the pesticides, insecticides, mm. yeah. something like £60,000. I mean, farmers know about this. Yeah. Yeah. Huge amounts of chemicals cost, and right. all that's just gone now. Cool. I think what's, yeah. so great, what's exciting for me about watching this programme come together is so a lot of those fantastic speakers mm. and practitioners that we have at the Oxford Real Farming Conference each year will be coming here to give people um, you know, that chance to actually go much more in depth into the topics that they deliver um, you know, in an hour yeah. um, in January. Yeah. And so you know, the things that we're talking about here will really give people the hands-on um, opportunity to go away knowing how to do it. Yeah. So yeah. that's an amazing opportunity. And also we've got some fantastic speakers also booked for the evening. Um, and also music and things, so it would be a wonderful time. A celebration be, yeah, as well. Celebration, actually. networking yeah. experience, and, yeah. um, and it's lovely because I think for a long time the, we've been hearing people saying, but I just need more time, I want to be able to spend more time with these people yeah. and to learn more. So this is the first time that the Oxford Real Farming Conference coming together with FarmEd are able to do that, so it's really great. Brilliant, really looking forward to it. So listeners, that's on July 7th and 8th this year. Um, there's still some tickets available, but selling out fast, mm -hmm. I must add. Uh, but if it's success, maybe it's something we'll do more of. And that's maybe the last question, really. Yes. Where do you see Oxford Real Farming Conference in the next, I don't know, 10 years? Yes. Um, the, the, this in the field 
events are just so important, I think, because we've been feeling for a number of years now that then people have said as well, you know, this is fine, but it's a, they're all sort of, the sessions are, can only be tasters. Yeah. So to have the opportunity to in more depth um, some of the topics, very, very important. And it's just such a wonderful place because it's on our doorstep here. Mm -hmm. so, and so I'm hoping we'll do many more. Um, and uh, in a sense, the sky's the limit, you know, be, be, because there's, there's so much work to be done. And yeah. the, these times of transition for farmers, really, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And um, anything we can do to, to help through, through what we're good at, working with you and who've got the expertise on the farming side, to, to help more farmers, that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you, Fiona. This was episode four of the Farm Ed podcast. I'm John T. Brunyi. Join me next time for episode five. Bye for now.